Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. God bless our teachers. If you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 10. Amen. John chapter number 10 and beginning at verse 26. Amen. John chapter 10 and beginning at verse 26. Love what I feel in the house of the Lord tonight. I am glad to be a part of a Holy Ghost filled church. Amen. Where the presence of God can move. Amen. Let's Let's jump back into this Bible study series on knowing the will of God. Uh, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice. Amen. There's the three things that jump out at us. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Remember those three key things. They hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Amen. And I give unto them life, eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen. And we're going to continue tonight talking about knowing the will of God. Anybody get anything out of this Bible study series, knowing the will of God? Let's pray together. Lord. We thank you for your word. Touch our hearts, our minds. Give us understanding that comes from heaven just as you touched Simon Peter to be able to have understanding and revelation. Touch our hearts, touch our minds and our ears. Give us understanding and revelation, Lord, and then boldness to walk in that which has been revealed to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you see it. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. We've been talking about knowing the will of God, and um, it goes far beyond will of God in the sense of just praying, you know, do I buy, you know, the red house or the blue house or which shoes? We go way beyond. We, We dealt with all of that in the first lesson, and then we moved our way into understanding Uh, that we are his sheep. Somebody say, I am his sheep. sheep. Amen. He is my shepherd. That's a powerful revelation to have because David said, when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for anything. Amen. And, And it doesn't mean that you won't have wants. It just means you will not have want of anything. He's going to take care of you. Amen. And, uh, then we, we, we move past that and we begin to hone in onto this point of knowing the will of God to where we have went from not just he being the shepherd and we being the sheep, but we've moved now to the point over the last few weeks where um, we understand our relationship with him as our redeemer now, and not just as redeemer, but him as the father and us as his children. Look at somebody and tell them, this may surprise you, but you are sitting next to a child of the Most High God. 
Amen. That, that ought to make you feel pretty important. Amen. And uh, if it don't, then uh, hopefully this lesson uh, tonight will. We, we, talked about, we talked about how important it is to, to understand the process uh, of, of living for God. Amen. And, and that there is a process in living for God. You can't just get everything all at one time. I think we established that pretty well over the last few weeks. That uh, we, you just, that's the problem I have with a lot of the name it and claim it stuff. It's, it's some things don't come until, uh, until you've walked with God for a while. Amen. And I'm not talking about salvation and I'm not talking about healing. I'm talking, there are just some things in God, amen, that we need, we need relationship with him in. Amen. And so we talked about that, walking with God. And then we, we talked about in Colossians chapter 2, we read there about knowing the mysteries of God that are in all the, the, the uh, wisdom and knowledge of, that is hidden in God. Amen. And that God does not hide salvation uh, from man, but he does hide his wisdom and knowledge. He said, if, if any man lack understanding, let them ask Amen. Because the Lord giveth it liberally. Amen. And so it's those that will seek after him. And we kind of got in a kind of a hide and seek kind of an understanding. Amen. That, that we've got to seek him. But the good news is Jesus says, uh, seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened. Ask and it shall be given unto thee. Amen. So we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not serving a God who is like a matador on the arena floor with his red cape who just dangles the the red cape out and dares you to to charge through the red cape that's not the kind of god we serve uh, but we serve a god who says that there are deeper places in me that you can go as you seek me let, let me say it like this if you've been serving god uh for um, a string of years put together and and have not found time to become consistent in your Bible reading in your prayer and have, have not found a time yet on your own to even fast, there's probably a lot of things in God you haven't gotten to yet. <clears throat> Amen. Because God is wanting to see, are, are you, you know, God's not going to make us a bunch of spoiled brats. I mean, that's what a lot of people act like, you know. They get mad when things don't go their way. There's nothing worse than seeing a grown child. Nothing worse than, have you ever seen an adult that acts like a child when they don't get their way? I mean, it's just like, it's, are you kidding me? I can tell the people ain't never got a whooping. I can, t and you can tell. They don't got respect. They think everything ought to go their way. Everything's a negotiation. Uh, they've been offended. That, that's, that's the big problem with this generation we're living in, right? With all this stuff. Accept me. You don't want me to accept me. You, you want me to elevate you. That's the problem with this, this generation that, uh, of all of this uh, transgender, uh, demonic transgenderness is. It's not that they want to be accepted. They want to force it down your throat. You say, Pastor, you talk a lot about this. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be a deaf, dumb, and blind shepherd. And the Bible, God warned, I believe it was Isaiah or Jeremiah, about shepherds who were deaf, dumb, and blind. I'm not going to be deaf. This is, the most, this is probably the most demonic thing we have encountered in the American history. 
And if it were just adults who were perverts, it'd be one thing. But they're perv- they, they want our children. And, and I've had people push back on that and say, you know, you go a little too far with it. Did, did you see what the Democrat legislator of Washington State just voted on? They voted to take your children, the state, if you will not allow them to have sexual reassignment surgery. They just voted on that. Now, you tell me how you can support people like that and be saved. It's become easier and easier to make those kind of statements. 20 years ago, 10 years ago even, but now it's just so easy to say, yeah, that's what they want, our children. It's, it's never been so, so obvious, amen, and I'm, I'm going to call them out, say, we make people mad. I, I won't make saved people mad. I won't make people who know God mad. They'd look at that and go, people that know the word of God, they'll go, you're right. These people need to be called out. I'm, I'm wondering, where is the uprising from the people from that party to say, we don't agree with this. You don't hear it. Which leads me to believe 99% of them are in agreement with it, which all the leadership is. Why, why hasn't any prominent person in the Democrat party stood up and said, we don't agree with what Washington State's doing, that the state can seize your child from you? And you don't get a say on what? I know I'm in California and this kind of stuff is just walking on thin ice. But it ought not be in the church. And don't be afraid to stand for what's right. I touched on this a little bit last week. Matter of fact, you know what? It done rubbed my fur the wrong way and I'm not turning the cat around. So I'm just going to walk on down the road a little bit. Um. I, I'm just, I'm just stunned. I, I am shocked. I am shocked. And, and then the, the only comeback that you get is, well, the other party. Well, who's talking about the other party? That's like telling somebody, you know, quit beating your wife. And they say, yeah, but, but my neighbor's got moonshine in his basement. This one has never been more obvious. Amen. Because you know what they did? They scared the media. Scared Americans so much to be afraid to even look at the other direction. Because they would be labeled a homophobic or racist or bigot or whatever it is. And brainwashed an entire segment of our population. To say, as long as I feel good, take my children. And I'm going to tell you, there is awakening. They talk about being woke. They ain't woke, they sleep. There's a real awakening that's happening in America right now. And there are people from all colors and all political backgrounds waking up and going, whoa, 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 whoa. Kids? Amen. Amen. So, no, and you know, what, you know what else is appalling? I want you to mark every pastor and church that will support this stuff. Because they are twofold children of hell. And my Bible tells me that hell will be hotter for them. I don't care if they put on their clerical robe and march through the streets and say this is the new civil rights. They're children of hell. This has nothing to do with it. This has to do with standing for righteousness. 
And God's still a holy God. Holiness is still right. Righteousness is still right. I don't care what churches, what organizations, whoever sells out to that mob, we're going to stand on the word of God. Amen. Have I made that plain enough? Amen. I don't want it to be clear as mud. I want to make it crystal clear where we stand. We stand with the word. Amen. We stand with the word. Now, and another thing is, um, if somebody listening on the podcast, I'm certain there's nobody here, but you listen and have a problem with it, bring your Bible to me and then show me where that party stands biblically. Amen. Romans 1 describes them pretty well. Amen. We got to know the God that we serve. If we break that alignment and covenant with God, then we, we, uh, we nullify our inheritance from God. Now, we talked about this last week, and this is where I want to segue into this week. Amen. I want to segue into that by saying that all the blessings of Abraham that he said, and then he gave to the children of Israel, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build, and all of this type of stuff. Then he said, this will I do if you keep my commandments. This will I do if you obey me. And so we need to understand that all of those things that God has promised to us are contingent upon our relationship with him through obedience. That, that's what the church, uh, and I say church very loosely here. Um, uh, let's just say religious because they're not church. They're no more church, you know, you know than anything else. It, the religious community says um, that all God wants to do is prosper you. And there is truth in that. So they take a segment of truth and stretch it out to make a doctrine out of it. But that is only part of the truth. The part of the truth that God wants to do that through our obedience to him. And, and we have these mega buildings packed out with people uh, listening to teaching and preaching that requires no obedience to God's word. We've got to have obedience to God's word. We can't just make it up as we go along because we have to know him. We have to know that he is our father and we have to walk in right relationship with him. Somebody say right relationship. That, that, that's important to understand that, that if I'm going to get all of these things that, that I'm expecting of God, God is expecting something of me and that God is expecting obedience from me. Now, is that too much to ask? What do we tell our kids? If, if, you'll do, if you'll do A, B, C, and D, then, then the reward is going to be A, B, C, D. You're going to get this. If you'll keep your room clean, you'll give them allowance. You'll take them to, if you're Addison, you'll take her down to get a maple donut bar in the morning or something like that. Uh, you give that reward based on obedience, right? Based on obedience. It's not that they have earned it. There's a difference saying work for it, and there's another difference by, to say if you do what's prescribed, you're going to have a blessing. Now, how many knows this? God blesses us way above our obedience. Way above our obedience. Because I'm going to tell you, some of us, give him, we give him nickel obedience, and he gives us a $1,000 blessing. Because that's the kind of God we serve. It's, it's quantumly more than what we can give him. And, and it's not because what we do in obedience 
earns what we get from him. It's because what we do in obedience keeps us in right relationship with him. We read about that in Romans chapter 12, that our bodies are to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy, acceptable, amen, unto the Lord. Why? Because we will understand and know the will of God for our life in that relationship. So when I live for God, just doing my Christian uh, duties that he's asked of me in obedience, loving my brother, loving my neighbor, prayer, devotion in the word, um, faithfulness and giving, worship, all of these different areas of our life, that is just a segment, amen, of my obedience to the, it's not all of it in total because sometimes God is going to kind of uh, get out of the margins of the paper, if you will, and he's going to ask you to do something that maybe you're not very comfortable with. Has he ever done that before? Has he ever asked you to do something that you weren't comfortable with before? And I know nobody besides me has ever done this where you didn't do it. I know I'm the only one that said that's a little out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. That may, maybe you meant, God, you got your channels crossed. You got the wrong number. You meant to call them. You meant to ask, but you asked me. And so I'm going to go ahead and help you on this one. Save you a little face, God. So I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to, you know, scooch around this just a little bit, right? But, but obedience is in everything. And our walk with God is learning to keep that relationship open by our obedience with God. Now, you, you say, what does this have to do with knowing the will of God? Because I am about to, in the next few moments, I'm about to include you. I'm about to include us into this scenario in a legal form and, and, and understanding our relationship to God, understanding our relationship to one another, and understanding what it is that God has prepared for us. Can you say amen? And so we have to know. Somebody say, I have to know. We have to know the will of God. We have to know our relationship with God. We have to know who we are in Christ. Amen. I, I, I want you, I am more than just someone who attends first church. Amen. I am more than that. I have been, I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. I have been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. I am walking in right relationship with him. And because I am, I am a child of God. Now, Romans 8, I believe we touched on this last week, and I threw this out there. Hopefully, you chewed on it a little bit this week. Romans 8 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I pose the question, Amen. Is it possible to be, uh, is it possible to be uh, a child of God and not led of the Spirit of God? Well, according to Romans 8, it's not possible. That is reserved for those who follow after him being led by his Spirit. So what are we doing? Every day we are learning to walk after God. Every day we are learning to walk in obedience and we are learning to walk and follow after the Spirit of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. Beginning at verse number 8. He says, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. We talked about prudence last week. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together 
in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even him. Verse 11, in whom, it, who is the whom there? Jesus. Jesus. Say that with me. Jesus. Jesus. In Jesus, we also have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of of his own will. Let's just jump down to verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So now Paul is writing and he is saying there is an inheritance. He's already talked about a, knowing the will of God, the mystery of, of the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge of God. And now he's talking about a will. So I need to, uh, we need to familiarize ourselves with some legal terms. Amen. Uh, there is an inheritance. Everybody knows what an inheritance is, right? It's something that you receive. Amen. There is there is an inheritor or a beneficiary, which is the one who receives said inheritance. And then there is a testator. And the testator is the one who gives the inheritance. Amen. And the testament or will is the document upon which the testator has defined the inheritance for the beneficiary. Amen. Your Bible is the will and testament of God. God is the testator. This is the testament and we are the beneficiaries. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share with you some things, so just, just hold on to me right now. Amen. You can't earn your inheritance. You couldn't do that. You can't buy an inheritance because you can't afford it. So what Christ did, knowing that we were cut off from the inheritance of everlasting life, knowing that we were cut off and broken in our relationship to God, what did Jesus do? He came, he died on the cross, shed his blood. Why? So that he could build back the relationship between us and God, taking our sins, nailing them to, because we couldn't earn our forgiveness. We couldn't earn our salvation. We couldn't earn a relationship with God. So what does the Bible say that Jesus did? Jesus became the propitiation. He became that payment for sin for us. Amen. And the Bible says we are heirs and joint heirs with who? With Christ, we are heirs and joint heirs. Amen. And because he did that, he now set us in line that we can be the children of God who can receive the inheritance, amen, from the testator. And the testator has said in this will that there are things that are defined for you and that are defined for me that we can follow after and God can can do in our life if we will but know who the testator is and if we will but know amen uh, what the testament or the will of God is so that we might receive our inheritance amen oh hallelujah 
I don't know if you're getting it, but I feel like shouting right now. Something you need to learn about an inheritance, you don't earn an inheritance. You can't work for an inheritance. An inheritance has already been earned. It has already been worked for. It has already been paid for. And if you are a beneficiary, that means all you have to do is accept it. Hallelujah. You get your possession. You, you, you get your portion of the inheritance by your knowledge. Listen to this. You get your inheritance by your knowledge of the will and testament. You get your inheritance by knowing the will and the testament of God. Amen. So if you are going to know what your inheritance is, just follow me right here. If you're going to know what your inheritance is, then you're going to have to know the will. I'll back up and repeat that. I, we were all looking the wrong direction. Right here is where the preacher is right now. I don't know if you've never heard a radio before. Amen. We only get our inheritance if we know the will. If you're not present for the reading of the will, then we don't know what our inheritance is. The problem with most Christians today is they never read the will. Hallelujah. That's what's wrong with most of us is we don't read the will. Most Christians listen to some two-talking, fork tongue of a lawyer who's going to tell you his version of the will rather than opening the book for themselves and realizing that we have an inheritance. Hallelujah. How do you know what your inheritance is if you don't ever read the testament? How are you going to know what the testator has set aside for us if we don't ever sit down and read the will? David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Benefits is a root word of beneficiary. If you know the testator and you know the testament, then you will know that you are blessed beyond comprehension. You are blessed beyond understanding because his will has said so. Amen. Praise God. This is the shouting portion of this Bible study series. This is where it gets good, where you begin to understand, praise God, you begin to understand that I'm not just some Christian, I'm not just somebody that attends a church somewhere, but I am a child of the Most High God. And so you, you, you only get your portion if, if you know the will and the testator. Some of us are living far below our spiritual means because we don't know 
the testator, and the testament. Now, you know why I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, about knowing Jesus and knowing God and having a prayer life for yourself. Because you won't know the will just by showing up at church. You've got to know the testator. Amen. And when we were baptized in Jesus' name, amen, we were baptized into him. Amen. We took his name upon us. Amen. He became, uh, 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 then we got in Christ and we became a new creature and we took on the identity. Remember, we talked about this for like two weeks and we took on the identity of Christ. Remember this? We talked about this. The Holy Ghost is Christ in us. Amen. But a relationship with God is us in Christ. And when we take on the identity of Christ, then we became a new creature creature old things have passed away behold all things have become new and when I did that the Bible says if any man is in Christ he is of the seed of Abraham meaning that when I get in Christ I step up beside Christ to be an inheritor or a beneficiary of everything that Christ came to pay for My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He, we became a benefactor. Excuse me, a beneficiary from the benefactor in Christ. So this whole knowing Jesus thing is a pretty important deal. It's a pretty important deal. Amen. You, you gotta, if you want your inheritance, you've got, you've got to know what you've inherited. You've got to know whom has given it to you and what the document says. Amen. Now, I've never received an inheritance, at least of anything of significance. I've gotten, you know, a, a few little things that you couldn't get 10 bucks for probably at a pawn shop. I've never sat down at the, uh, uh, on the other side of a mahogany table with, you know, with uh, 15 different lawyers over there in three-piece pinstripe suits because there's such a, uh, a, a huge settlement that's coming out from the will and testament. But if I were ever called into a situation like that, you better believe I'm going to hone in because, amen, I want to know what what is that I am going to receive? What is it that has been given unto me? You see, the thing of it is, I didn't earn it, couldn't purchase it, and I don't deserve it, but that wasn't up to me whether I deserve it or not. It's not up to me if it's, it's up to the benefactor. It's up to the testator who has decided that who it is that can have what he says that we can have. And it was the testator. It was the benefactor. It is God who determine who can get what he wants them to have amen and it's determined by those who who make up in their mind I'm going to know the testator and I'm going to know the will of him that has promised it to me there is a will in God now we talked about knowing the will of God is in direction but now we're talking about knowing the will of God is in possession If you, if you miss the reading of the will, you're going to miss your inheritance. I can't tell you how many times I, I, somebody have prayed with them or showed them something in the Bible and said that it's right there. They said, well, I didn't even know that was there. I didn't know I could pray for that. Yeah, it's right there. He promised. We, just, we, don't, we get stuck on, that, on, on, on just a few things. I'm going to tell you something. Christ didn't come. Give his life. And rise again on the third day, fill us with his spirit so we could not know who we are. 
He wants us to know who we are. Your, your inheritance is based on the knowledge of this book. You see, the onus, the onus is not on me. Now, I'm going to preach you the word. I'm going to teach the word. But the onus is on you and me in our personal life to crack open this will and see what God has determined for each and every one of us. Because if God says something is mine, it's mine. I know it was profound. Please don't pass out right now. If God says something is mine, it's mine. Amen. If God says something is yours, it's yours. Right? Why do you think God got so angry with the children of Israel when they wouldn't go into the promised land? You think because God had a schedule to keep? You think God was up there on his iPhone going, you're wrecking my calendar, guys. What, I mean, what are you doing? No. That wasn't what made him angry. What made him angry was he had promised them an inheritance. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. He promised them an inheritance. But they didn't have enough faith to walk into it. Why? Because when God promised it to them, it belonged to somebody else. And they snuck into the new neighborhood and said, oh, those houses are occupied. There's workers in those vineyards. And came back out basically saying, God... Get rid of our problems, and then we'll believe you. But that's not what the testator said. That's not what he said. He said, I give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. And he goes, begins to list all of this. He told Abraham that promise that goes to him and to Isaac, to Jacob, to the children of Israel, Israel, those that are of the seed of Abraham. I hope you're catching this tonight. He told them, I'm giving it to you. And then when they went to look at it, they saw that it was occupied. And they brought up an evil report. The Bible, saw their, the Bible says that God saw their doubt as evil. And God got so mad at them. That he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. With, for 40 years they wandered in, in tents. For 40 years they lived like vagabonds and, and, and nomads. For 40 years just wandering through the desert knowing they were only a two or three day walk from their constant circle uh, uh, over to the land that God had promised them. And they had to live. You, I'm going to tell you something. Just because you hold a Bible doesn't mean that God's going to do everything everything in there if you don't believe he can and will do everything he said he would. 
Did you hear what I said? You may go to church twice a week. You can pray till your tongue falls in your lap. But until the moment you are willing to believe God can and God will. And then put some action to the faith. Because my Bible says that faith without. Uh, 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 that if, Where are we going here? It just slipped my mind. Faith without works is dead. I was going to say faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. We want to see it. We're, we're human. We're natural. We want to see it. Show me, and then I'll do it. God's opposite. He says, do it, then I'll show you. He says, I'll tell you. Then you do it, then I'll show it. I want you to hear me. You got to catch this. Oftentimes, God will promise you things that are in somebody else's possession. Now I'm talking about material things right now. Now this is not a license to be a, 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 a bandit. All right? I think everybody gets that. Nobody's going to run out here and say, Pastor said we can take a crowbar and break into the store and take, no, that's, that's stealing. <laughs> Amen. God told them, he said, you go down to Kadesh Barnea and you go down there and there's a land that I'm giving you in Jericho and all of that land, you can have it. I've given it to you. I, I'm only, I'm allowing I'm allowing those Gentiles to just basically maintain what I've set up for you. Woo, hallelujah. When God promises us something and we stagger at it because somebody else is occupying that position in the company. Oh, amen. Somebody better qualified. Somebody with a better resume. Somebody with better education. And, and, and God says, I'm going to give you that position. I'm going to give you that job title. And, and you get excited, but then you look at the degrees on their wall. You look at their tenure with the company. You look and you let all of that intimidate you until you stagger at the promise of God. And you begin to, did I really hear from God? And I don't know if God wants that. See, what you don't understand is, is that God only let them keep the seat warm for you. If God promised it to you, amen, God's going to find a way to move you into that position oh hallelujah oh hallelujah because oftentimes the promise of God for our life, amen, is often in the hands of other people or other situations. And you've got to have enough faith to say, if God promised it for me, amen, I'm going to believe that it's mine. See, we got to quit thinking theft mentality. Well, if, I, if somebody else got it, then it must be, I must be stealing it. No, that's not how it works. Amen. See, there's a, there's a, and I hate to just get to talk about uh, next week or the week after. I'm going to talk more about the spiritual aspect of it, but I've got to relay it to you in a tangible way. Amen. But it's not all just physical blessing. I think I've established that over the last seven or eight weeks. It's not all, but there is an element of physicality that is in it. Amen. Because you see, there's a home that God has for you and your family to live in but right now it has occupants in there 
And it doesn't mean God's going to make them homeless for you to live in that house. What it means is when God gets ready to move you in, when God gets ready to put you in that place and you've got enough faith to step out there, then what God will do is move them aside or wherever they've got to go. But as a child of God, you've got to start getting a boldness in you that says, that is mine. God said it's mine. Come on, we're getting a we get a wilderness mentality when we try to figure out how God's going to evict somebody out of my promise. No, I'm just going. I don't care about the details. If God said it's mine, it's mine. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to trust it. Listen, God's got a building for this church in this city, whether it's this one or somewhere else. I don't know where, but wherever it is, the tenants that are there now are occupying my promise and your promise. So I've got to know the will of God to say, if it's your will, I'm walking into it. Oh, hallelujah. See, we look at our... We look at our promise and we see somebody occupying it and we say, oh, oh, well, I'll wait till they leave. I hope you like camping because you got 40 years of KOA ministry coming. Amen. See, see. I know, I know this ain't going to be politically correct, but I think I, I think I put that cow to pasture earlier, so I'm ain't worried about it. We need to get some more spiritual testosterone in us. Amen. We need some more spiritual unction. We need some more guts. We need some fight in us. We look at an occupied promise and say, oh, well, well, okay, God bless you. Uh-uh. That's not, that's not what God's waiting on. God, no, we, we, we got to get out of this sissy mentality when it comes to the blessings of God. Hey, man, we, uh, just because... You know, they've changed things in, in society. Used to, if somebody was in your property and they didn't own it, they had to get out. Now they wrote laws out here. If somebody can move into your house when you're not there, and you can't kick them out. Well, I'm going to tell you the way it used to be and the way it should be and the way it is biblically. It, you, you give them to the count of three. But we've taken that approach with the blessings of God. We try to negotiate. Well, I'll give you 30 days if you would, please. And, and um, maybe 60 days if you need it. Oh, you got two cats. Well, we'll give you 90 days. And, and then if you'll please kindly move out of the way because I want to move my... No, God's not looking for that. God's looking for somebody who knows the will. Somebody that knows the testament and says, when it is my time to occupy what God has promised me in my life, Jack, you better get out the way because I'm coming in for what God has promised me. I I'm not going to live in a tent when God has for me a palace. I'm not going to starve when God has for me a feast. I'm not going to cry when God has for me joy. I'm not going to live depressed when God has for me peace. I'm going to walk in the will and the testament of God. 
Oh, hallelujah. Boy, if, if Jericho happened in 2023, it wouldn't have happened. Because children of Israel been, would have been so concerned with, are we meeting all the buttons of social pressures here? Well, our, our, well we don't know anything about this. You know, this is really, it's their land. They've been here long enough. That's not what God said. Uh-uh. I don't care how long. They, they've been there long enough to build walled cities that you could race chariots on the top of. They were there to have a civilization. They were there having houses and vineyards. They'd already cultivated land, got the rocks out of the way. And God said, no, 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 no. It's your time to move over. And when you're ready to move over, they're going to have to evacuate. And if they don't, I'll collapse the whole city on their head. Amen. It's in your Bible. See, as long as you're willing to negotiate with the devil, you will always be living in the backyard of your promise rather than occupying the house that he guaranteed. Amen. We, we do all. So, so if God has promised you something, what I'm trying to tell you tonight is I'm giving you not just permission in the Holy Ghost, I am giving you validation and power of execution of the will. To not just say it's mine, but start advancing on what God has already given you. I'm believing for that new job. Oh, God, I want that new job. You ain't even put an application yet. I want that new house. But you're still spending five bucks a day on Starbucks. You can't put nothing in the bank account. You're living like a gypsy in the desert instead of preparing for the promise God has for you. Amen. God, just, just, give, just dump it on me all at once, okay? He doesn't do it like that. He says, I'm going to tell you and show you, then you show me. God, don't just rain bags of money out of the sky. I wish he did. I wouldn't even put an umbrella up. I'd just turn it upside down. Amen. That's the problem with all this get-rich-quick Ponzi scheme preaching going on on TV and on the Internet. It's all this name and class. See, you, you've got to understand the will. You can't just take the parts you like out of the will. You can't just say, well, I like that part, but I don't like that part. I'll take this, I'll take the New Testament, but, you know, you can keep the Old Testament. No. We get all of it. We get all of it. And if you, if you take away the First Testament, then we have no clue as to what our inheritance is that was guaranteed thousands of years ago. I don't know about you, but I want to know the will of God. I told you last week, I hope this Bible study series 
will give you a, an appetite for getting in the word of God. An appetite of prayer. An appetite of devotion to the Lord that says, oh God, I, I want to know you and I want to know your will for my life. Not as indirection. We talked about that weeks ago. I want to know your will for my life as in promise and possession. Amen. God does not intend for us to live in the desert when everything he promised us is just, just across the river. He's waiting for his people to sit down at the table and hear the reading of the wheel and say, oh, that's mine. Salvation for my family, that's mine. Healing for my body, that's mine. Well, how do you know it's yours? I read the will. And it's a legal binding document. Amen. And the Holy Ghost, amen, the Holy Ghost in me puts me in relationship, amen, with God. It guarantees it. it the, I, I talked about this last week. He is his word. His word is him. You can't separate him from his word. It is so binding that if you were to do away with God's word, you would have to do away with God himself. We need to get in the book and know the will of God. You want to be a beneficiary? You want to be an inheritor? Well, then you got to know the will. I want to tell you what will happen. Some people, somebody's going to get a hold of what I'm saying. Somebody's going to get a hold. Some of you won't, but some will. Some will. Some will get a hold of this and walk out of here tonight with a different perception of the Bible. It's not just some leather-bound book of sacred tales that has been passed through the ages. This is a promise from God. What is the Bible? I'll tell you what the Bible is. The Bible is a document that documents the story of a king and his kingdom and his inheritance of his kingdom. Oh, we're going to get into that in the future. You've got to start understanding. God didn't just save me so I can get out of hell. That's, that's a benefit of it. But God is looking for inheritors. That's why he said in, in, in uh, Ephesians 1, he starts talking about the inheritance and salvation. And he starts talking to us about that because he is, he is wanting you to understand. Oh, my God, if you go on into the past that, you go home and read it past verse 18 and all the things he gets into. But what he is talking about here is a people that will understand that if you are in right relationship with God, if we understand our position in the kingdom, if we know what the testament is, if we know what our inheritance is, listen to me, the devil can't steal from you. The devil can't take from you. The devil can't rob from you those things that God has promised for your life unless we are willing to surrender them up. We used to sing this old song, Brother Lucas, if you'll get ready. We, we sing this old song that said, 
Uh, and I like it. It's a good old song we'd sing at church. I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take back what he stole from me. I don't know if any of y'all remember that. We say, I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take back what he stole from me. Going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take back what he stole Put him under my feet. And man, we'd shout about that. I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take back what he stole from me. And I started thinking about that. And I thought, wait a minute. He can't steal what belongs to God. What we should be singing is, I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take back what I gave to him. I don't know if y'all caught that or not. We're too busy calling spiritual 911 about what the devil stole and the Holy Ghost detective shows up and says, why is the back door wide open? Why is your alarm system off? Where were you? Verse 23 of John chapter 10 says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Devil can't steal what belongs to God. But we can surrender to him. See, see the, devil, the devil doesn't necessarily steal our peace. He just provides us worry. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good now. The devil, come on, devil, devil doesn't necessarily steal our joy as much as we receive from him stress. And, and then you can't, you, 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 you can't have both. Does that make sense? And, and so it's not that the devil's running around with a little you know, a little Zorro mask on, running around, jumping out of the bushes and snatching stuff away from you. No. So the Bible said, I read that in John 10. That's, that's one of the reasons we're keying off of that verse. See how it's all just weaving together. He said, neither shall any man pluck you out of my hand. In other words, you are God's inheritance. The Bible says we are the inheritance of the Lord. So the devil can't, steal you that's why you, you know it's a tragic thing when when people backslide and people hear people say the devil the devil took them the devil didn't take them they went willingly I'll, I'll just tell you this nobody nobody backslides overnight nobody does now they may have stopped coming overnight they they may have shown a different side but they, it was already in them When Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus said it, was, it had already been working in him. Everybody else was stunned. Jesus wasn't shocked. He knew who he was. He knew what was going to happen because he had already seen it working in him. And, and if you go back, you can read the telltale signs of Judas, can't you? It's easy for us because hindsight's twenty twenty. But Judas did some things that if the disciples had been spiritually perceptive enough, they would have went, oh, like, like remember when Mary broke her alabaster box on the feet of Jesus and Judas got ticked off. Remember that? He said, we could have sold that. Everybody else sitting there going, yeah, you know, that is a pretty good waste of money there. We could have sold that and fed the poor and we could have used some of that money. They didn't see it, but it was already working in him. 
And when he kissed Jesus on the cheek and he betrayed him, he was only fulfilling physically what he had been working on internally. And when people walk away from the church and they walk away from God, it doesn't happen overnight. They were already surrendering to stuff in their life. I don't know why I'm really on this, but I'm on this. I'm going to. It, there, there, there's things that they, they were letting their guard down in other areas. Remember when, when COVID happened and, and uh, everything was shut down and, and we started coming back to worship and there were people, there were, there were so many people that left, that backslid during that time. Remember what I told you? I said, they didn't backslide because of COVID. They were already backslid. They just found a reason to not come. Remember, I, I kept saying, what's in you will come out of you. What was in Judas came out of Judas. The same thing works with the inheritance, with the blessings of God. The blessings of God will flow in our life if we're working on our relationship with Him and knowing the power of the will of God in our life. Why do you think Jesus, when he went to be tempted of the devil, fasted 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness? The devil shows up and starts tempting him. What did Jesus do? He got a praise team together and start shouting and dancing. He whipped together a big old conference and start preaching. Did he drink some, you know, some kind of magic potion from one of them soul hustlers on Christian TV? Did he give him a big old white $50? million Osteen smile and push the devil away no he said it is because everything I need to walk in the will that is the purpose of God in my life and everything I need to walk in the will of God that is the possession of promise in my life is written There are mountains you can't climb unless you know the word. There are mountains that will not move unless you know the word. There are battles you cannot win unless you know the word. You think Jesus being Jesus, he could have just done a he could have done a triple flip off the top turnbuckle and elbow drop the devil right on the forehead and knocked him out. He could have put an Ali on him and floated like a butterfly and stung like a bee. He could have done any, but he didn't. You want to know why? Because Jesus knew the power of the Testament. All three times he was tempted, every time Jesus came back and says, it is written. It is written. And he being the word made flesh, what was in him, came out of him I want to get to a point in my relationship with God that what's in me comes out of me but what is in me is so much of the word that when all hell breaks loose I don't respond with my temper amen 
I don't respond with a, a temper and go, oh, that's just the Irish and German in me. Amen. I got my glasses off for a reason. I know people use that for an excuse. Oh, that's just my hair. Okay, are you going to, so, so you're claiming an earthly testament then. Huh? Why, why, why is it? I got to hurry. Why is it that we get, why is it that we use that in that area of our life but nowhere else? You know, we can, we can treat somebody like a dog and just say, oh, that's just, you know, that's just my family. Would you use that excuse if you beat on your spouse or beat on your kids? Well, it's just in our family. No, you overcome that. How do you overcome that? By putting in you the right stuff. How are you going to overcome? You've got to put the word of God in your heart and in your life. Would you stand with me tonight? Amen. This, this, isn't, this isn't rocket science per se. It's as simple as knowing the will of God. And there's only one. Listen to me. You can't know it by just praying. And you can't know it by just coming to church. You got to know it by opening this book and getting familiar with it. Stop seeing this as just a religious document. It's not what it is. It's a testament. In it is life. I had a young person come to me Sunday. I, I, I got teary-eyed. Young person come to me on Sunday. Said, Pastor, I'm going on a five-day fast. I just wanted you to know. And I told him, I said, that's great, but you got to pray and read your Bible every day. He said, because if you don't, you're just dieting. You, you got to. And I said, here's what will happen while you're on this fast. If you'll pray and you'll read your Bible on this fast, God's going to unlock your understanding. I texted that young person early yesterday morning. I said, I want, you to, I want you to read a chapter in Proverbs, and I want you to read Romans chapter 8 before you go to school. I want you to do that. They texted me that afternoon, and they said, Pastor, I cannot believe the power of Romans chapter 8. As I walk the halls of my school, I begin to see the world through a different lens. They texted me today after school and said I read Romans 8 again because I'm telling them to do it read Romans 8 every day I am it's almost like they said it's almost like I'm seeing three dimensional now mm. why because you got to get in the word would you just lift your hands with me right now Lord I thank you for this word Lord I thank you for the hope and the promise that is in this word. Lord, that your word says that you desire for us, Lord, to walk in communion and in fellowship with you. Lord, I pray tonight that something be planted deep down on the inside of somebody, that it would spring forth, oh God, and bloom and blossom, God, into the prosperity of knowing 
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.